This episode is brought to you by Consulting Humor. If you enjoy memes about business and consulting, not to be confused with memos about business and consulting, like the one your boss asked you to write the other day, you should definitely check out their Instagram. However, as we can share from experience, it's not a good idea to share any of their memes in your memos, because that's probably not what your boss is looking for. The humor is very entertaining. Don't say I didn't warn you. I'm Jay Alexander, and you're listening to episode 11 of Out of Bandwidth. On our last episode, we began expanding the nature of the show, shifting it from a guide for future consultants to a podcast about people launching their careers. Our focus is on individuals aged 22 to 30, who, like a lot of us, are figuring themselves out, honing their skill sets, and laying the foundation for their contributions to the world. They're out building startups, working in corporate, studying to become doctors and lawyers, you name it. You can think of this podcast as the opposite of how I built this with Guy Raz. Instead of interviewing people after they've become successful and asking them how they did it, we're catching them in the early years and discussing where they see themselves going and why. This brings me to today's guest, who is our first one outside the realm of traditional consulting, though he is still a consultant of sorts. On this episode, we'll be hearing from a career consultant who began his journey in tax and has recently branched out to help others find their ideal roles and get their feet in the door. Please welcome Jeremy Friedman. Jeremy, it is great to have you on Out of Bandwidth. Jay, it's an honor to be here with you. We have two sets of questions for you on this episode. The first one focuses on you and how you're launching your own career. You recently got back from a trip to Japan, right? Yes, I was. I was in Japan over Thanksgiving. I went with an old coworker. We went to four cities in 10 days. And, you know, each city offered its own unique uh, flavor and vibe. Went to Kyoto, Osaka, Tokyo, and Hiroshima. Mm-hmm. And it was cool. It was a, it was a culture shock. You know, relative to Europe, I, I thought the people were very nice. It was a good... Is <laughs> that a, is to say in Europe, they're not nice? <laughs> no, they are nice in Europe, but there's more of a language barrier in Japan, I think. You know, a lot more hand motions and just pointing to things mm. because not everyone knew English, right. which we take for granted here. Right. And the food was good. I definitely ventured out a little bit, tried some horse meat for the first time. <laughs> it was good. It was... I don't need to have it again. It felt a little bad eating sea biscuit, but okay. it was tasty. What was your, what was the highlight of that trip? You know, that's tough. I think each city had its own highlight. I think overall, just taking in the culture, seeing how after a cab ride or after a restaurant with a waiter, you bow to them. And, Mm. you know, definitely not something we see here in the U.S. That'd be interesting here. (laughs) Yeah, it was was fun. You get out of the cab and they just kind of, you know, look at you and bow and you say arigato, which means thank you. And do they stand up too? Yeah, they got out. Every cab ride, they got out and, 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 and bowed to me. Wow. That's yeah, cool. It was, it was nice. I, I've bowed here on accident to a few people since then. <laughs> and how did they respond? I don't. They just kind of stare, but I kind of liked it. So <laughs> it sounds very like um, you know, like a people first attitude. Yeah, definitely. The people were, you know, I think the fact that I didn't speak their language, people were very tolerant and patient with me mm-hmm. and understanding. And I think that's something that we could uh, probably do better here is, is work on our tolerance of other people that we don't understand. Definitely. Jeremy, let's let's hear a bit about your background. I'd like to know some general stuff about you, including 
how recently you graduated college, where you went, what you studied. Let's start with that. Sure, Jay. I graduated from the University of Missouri in 2016 with my bachelor's and master's in accounting. Okay. And I'll be honest, I, I chose accounting my senior year of college. I, I'm one of those people, and I think a lot of people can relate. They don't know what they want to do when they're 18 and go into college. That's all of us. Right, exactly. So my first major declared in college was sports management. Okay. And I did a year of that, which was really just elective courses, so it didn't really affect my trajectory. And then I realized I didn't know what job I would get out of school with sports management. I thought maybe I would end up in some small city with a minor league team somewhere. And I knew I wanted a big city mm -hmm. and I wanted to open up more doors for myself. So I thought finance would be a safe route. Okay. Now there's a fine line between finance and accounting. You studied accounting. I did. So I, after my junior year, I actually, I went from finance to accounting. Okay. And that was because I knew that, you know, specifically at the University of Missouri, that public accounting firms did a lot of recruiting there. Do you have a CPA? I do have my CPA. So finance turned accounting major, CPA, but what are you doing now? How would you describe that? You know, in layman's terms, I'm a recruiter. Okay. So, you know, I, I work with individuals anywhere from out of a fresh grad from college to maybe 20 years into your career. Mm -hmm. And you're either looking for a new job or you're opportunistic. I would say most of my candidates are opportunistic. They don't hate where they're working. Mm -hmm. They want to be made aware of new opportunities and passively look. And if something piques their interest, I'm able to help assist in trying to uh, go after that role or that company. Okay. More on that later, because I have plenty of questions for you on that. I just, I find it interesting how you, you know, your first jump or pivot, if you will, was from finance slash accounting to career consulting, headhunting. Yes, it was not a, it was definitely not an impulsive decision. I definitely did my fair share of soul searching and research to land where I'm at today. Cool. So I was looking at your LinkedIn. Your first job was at a big four accounting firm. What did you do there and what was your day to day? Yeah, so I was on the tax side of things in public accounting. I Most people choose between tax and audit when they first start off in public accounting, and I chose tax. Okay. What's the difference for people who are interested? So taxes, you know, everyone probably listening to this has to either fill out their own taxes or hopefully maybe their parents fill out their taxes or use TurboTax like myself. Yeah. And, you know, that's tax compliance. So I mostly worked with, you know, large corporations. We looked through the financials. We prep work papers, a lot of Excel work, and mm -hmm. then we use specific tax software to crunch out tax returns for these companies. So you were doing that day in, day out at the big four? That was pretty much day in, day out, and it involved a lot of you know internal client meetings, a lot of work in Excel. It was one of those jobs where I kind of had my headphones in a lot and, and working um, and crunching different numbers. Hmm. And coming out of that experience, how did that help you find your current role? What was the pivot that happened? From the time I started at in the big four, I knew accounting was not my long-term plan. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I was using that time to try and determine what it is that I do want to do. And the first thing I discovered in the role was what, what I dislike. Okay. And I dislike doing tax technical work. Okay. The tax knowledge that I needed, I just did not really have a passion for taxes. And so that was the starting point. I knew I wanted to leave tax. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a lot of jobs out there that don't involve tax. So it did not really narrow it down too <laughs> that much. That doesn't for me. help you very much. Yeah. So from that point, what I really did was I started doing some soul searching and, 
at my desk or at night or in the shower, I would think to myself, what do I enjoy doing? What do I like about my current job? So in my current job, what I did, like I liked meetings. I liked when I was not at my desk, but when I was meeting with partners, managers, having phone calls with clients, Mm -hmm. you know, here's a story for you. In my role, I was kind of in the weeds of the tech software. It was very technical at times and I I didn't know how to use all the software. So I would have to call tech support (laughs) when I had issues. Most people dreaded calling tech support because it was, it would just make their day longer. (laughs) I, on the other hand, that would be the highlight of my day was calling tech support, just having a conversation with someone, not talking about taxes. You know, I can schmooze anyone's ear off. And that's when I realized I like using my soft skills. Okay. I like talking to people. I like building relationships. I like meeting people. Mm -hmm. And then from there it became, okay, well, what jobs are out there? that I can kind of use my soft skills, use my business knowledge and make money. And so that's that's when I started looking into different opportunities that, that met that criteria. So you thought about what would be transferable from tax to get somewhere else? What did you like? What did you dislike? Yes, exactly. I think that's key is to learn what skill set you want to use on a daily basis. Okay. So what is the the word I mentioned a couple career consultant you said recruiter I threw in headhunter is there one that's like more prevalent or that you prefer I like the term headhunter okay I think that consulting is broad I don't necessarily think of myself as a consultant similar to the consultants you used to have on this show it's a mm-hmm. little different a little bit I think headhunter honestly just has a nice ring to it I think it's the sexiest of the options okay <laughs> why why is that though I don't know just headhunter I, yeah. You know, honestly, I think of it's Mila punchy. Kunis from uh, Friends with Benefits. She was a headhunter, and it's just it's just a nice role. I like being called a headhunter. So let's use that word for the rest of this show. Sure. What does it mean to be a headhunter, and what is your work like? So every firm is a little different, and I think every headhunter works a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. You know, with my experience, I focus specifically on working with the candidates. Okay. So what I do is, you know, I'm that guy that that might be reaching out to you on LinkedIn or emailing you or even maybe cold calling you. Okay. However, I'm not reaching out to you with a specific idea in mind. As someone that changed careers completely from what my background was, I know you said you looked at my LinkedIn Mm -hmm. and saw I was at a public accounting firm. I'm very cognizant that just because you're in a certain job or career right now does not mean that that's what you want to do moving forward. Hmm. So when I reach out to people, it's more of a message of, hey, I work with over 200 companies. I have a good pulse on the market. Mm-hmm. Are you open to starting a dialogue to hear of new opportunities that you could be a fit for? And this is assuming that they're not in their ideal job. Otherwise, they probably wouldn't want to talk to you, right? No, if, if they are in their ideal job, I still think it could be worth talking to someone like myself because mm-hmm. it's just building a relationship. It's networking. And you never know where this relationship might bring us in the future. And what kind of responses do you get from people? Usually no response. (laughs) I'm very used to rejection, getting ghosted. Okay. I think a lot of individuals out there don't think of recruiters as people, but just a service for, you know, they talk to them when they need them. And oftentimes... Sounds like Tinder. They're hinge, the ghosting. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You know, I I have just as much luck on... uh, (laughs) No, all jokes aside, I, I do think it's it's important to talk to individuals that are content in their job because even if you like your job, just by remaining opportunistic, you might learn of new opportunities that might interest you tomorrow. They might interest you in three years. And this relationship will come in handy at that point. 
Would I be right to assume you do headhunting for finance accounting stuff related in that yeah, area? Yeah, so I focus on finance accounting consulting. Okay. I work with about 200 different companies across the Chicago area, everything mm-hmm. from a startup size all the way up to your large Fortune 500, Fortune 100. And I work across all different industries. So, you know, I see financial services, real estate, technology, energy, manufacturing, the only one I really don't see is oil and gas. You probably have to go further down south for that. Probably in Houston there. Probably Houston is what I'm thinking. What would you say are some of the positives and negatives of being in headhunting? Earlier when we did our pre-interview, you mentioned your mom was super thrilled when you told her you're being based on commission, right? Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> definitely my mother was not super on board at first, nor was my grandma. <laughs> my grandma actually offered me a paycheck to stay in accounting. <laughs> I declined respectfully. <laughs> And yeah, so, you know, in my role, I am in a commission role now. So I do lose that stability. Hmm. You know, for some people, I think that's a pro. For some people, I think that's a con. For me, it's been a pro. I think it's motivating for me to go out there, get my name out there and want to help people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the biggest pro that just stands out is how many relationships I have formed in, Hmm. you know, about the 19 months that I've been in recruiting now. Wow. You know, I- How many do you think? Well, I keep track of my phone calls okay. and I've had over 500 phone calls Wow! at this point. I've placed, I believe, 56 people into new roles mm-hmm. um, in my first 19 months. That's a lot. You've done one pivot so far and it seems like you're a lot happier where you are now. How does this step in your career fit with where you think you're going to go or where you see yourself? Could this be your end or are there more steps on this journey? It's the million dollar question, Jay. <laughs> For everybody. You know, it's funny because I ask people during when I'm, I I try to meet with every candidate in person, kind of, mm-hmm. you know, build the relationship up. And one question I do commonly ask, and I actually, I hate questioning because it's very hypocritical of me is where do you want to be in five or 10 years? <laughs> when you don't know. <laughs> I have no clue exactly where I want to be in five <laughs> or 10 years. I'll tell you this. If I had no clue that I was going to be a recruiter. Okay. You know, no one goes to school to study to be a headhunter or recruiter. It just kind of happened. Huh. So to answer your question, where do I see myself? I don't know if this is the end journey. I know for now I'm happy. Mm-hmm. And, and for my whole evaluation, even when I was at the big four, it's all about do the pros outweigh the cons. Mm-hmm. In my prior job, the pros outweighed the cons for about the first year. And then at a certain point, that was no longer the case. And that's when I started really working harder to find a new role for me. In my current role, the pros definitely outweigh the cons and I'm very happy. Coming up after the break, how Jeremy helps others launch their careers and his advice for anyone currently looking for their next gig. In the words of organizational psychologist Adam Grant, You spend a quarter of your life at work. You should enjoy it. I recommend his podcast called Work Life, which is produced by Ted and highlights tips and tricks for having a better, you guessed it, work life. If achieving your own work-life balance is something you strive for, the show is definitely worth a listen. As Adam says, you'll never see your job the same way again. Welcome back to Out of Bandwidth. I'm Jay Alexander, and I'm here with headhunter Jeremy Friedman. Before the break, we talked about how Jeremy is launching his own career. Now we're going to discuss how he's helping others do the same. 
Jeremy, in your current role as headhunter, do you ever think you might expand beyond finance and accounting? Or is that kind of your focus because that's where your background is? For right now, I think as a company, we like focusing on finance and accounting because that is our niche. That's where our knowledge is. Mm -hmm. And actually, I didn't say this earlier, but everyone at my company actually comes from finance and accounting backgrounds. Okay. So we're all kind of the black sheep businessmen. We didn't like doing the real (laughs) business work, but we like working with people in business. It's kind of like if you can't teach, teach gym. Yes, we are those people. We're the gym (laughs) teachers. But you're good at helping others find the jobs that they want. Exactly. What is like a a typical job description, like just the headline of the kind of job you place? I would say typical headline could be senior financial analyst. Okay. What I will say is that everyone should read a job description with a grain of salt. Okay. You know, it's not black and white. And I would say most hiring managers that we speak to when doing recruiting for them, they will give us guidelines. For example, a job description might say four years of experience needed. Okay. Whereas they'll tell us, we'll take two years of experience if the candidate is really strong. Huh. So that's a two-year difference. Somebody could easily write it off and be like, ah, I don't fit. Exactly. I have candidates all the time. I'll send them a job description and they'll say, well, I don't think I'm qualified. And then I'll let them know, well, hey, based on my meeting with you, I I think you are qualified. We're going to have you walk us through two different sides of the coin or the equation here. First, can you walk us through the process of you working with an employer who's giving you a job posting to fill. What is your role in helping them? My role or my company's role? Well, I guess you're on the candidate side, so let's answer your company's role. So my company's role is generally a managing director of mine will be working with an employer. Okay. They'll have a phone discussion or they will meet in person and go over the open position. We'll learn why the position is open. If it's a new company, we'll learn more about that company, what's going on with that company, You know, whether it's a private company about to go public, Mm -hmm. maybe they're moving offices to a new fancy space. I like to say it's the job description on steroids because that's when we learned (laughs) the information outside of the black and white guidelines on paper, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. It does. So let's go to the other side. Walk us through your process of working with someone who comes to you seeking your help finding a position. This is what you said your focus is, correct? Yes, exactly. So where does the process start? And where does it end? So the process starts with probably someone responding to one of my emails or LinkedIn messages. Maybe it's a referral. Mm -hmm. And then we hop on the phone. I always like to start off with a phone call or a coffee at a Starbucks nearby. And I I just like to learn about that individual. We kind of go through their background and not just work background, maybe where they're from. What do their parents do? Mm -hmm. What do their siblings do? I just want to learn more about the person. Mm-hmm. And then we go into, okay, well, what do you do now? Mm-hmm. And what do you want to do? And then from there, I, I learn a lot of information. What is important to you? What's your compensation? What size of company do you want? What industry do you care about? They give you the pieces to the puzzle, if you will. And then what do you do with that? Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Pieces to the puzzle. And then I guess I try to put the puzzle together. Or sometimes there's pieces missing from the puzzle and I need to come up with new questions to really learn what someone wants to do. How do you move forward? What happens from there? So typically, if a candidate wants to be active in the market now, maybe start interviewing or at least actively look at job descriptions. Mm-hmm. I'll generally try to meet with that candidate, like I said, in person, mm-hmm. and then bring them into the office and have them meet some of my managing directors. My directors are the ones that work directly with the employers. Mm-hmm. And so by me meeting you, by my directors meeting you, that's when we can really serve as more of an advocate for you to hiring managers. 
do you immediately look for roles? Do you wait? Maybe the right role isn't available right now. Yes. So you keep so, this person. So basically I'm very organized and I keep track of what people told me they want to do. Okay. And then as roles come in, you know, the job market is all a timing game. So I might not have the perfect role for, for someone right now. Mm-hmm. But then I keep them in mind. And whenever I get a new role, I go through my list of candidates and see who is this applicable for. I send an email or a phone call and let them know, hey, I have a potential idea for you. And then you facilitate meeting with the employer? So then if the candidate is interested in the opportunity and would like to interview, we go ahead and present that person's resume and background to the employer. Then it's a, a dancing game probably, right? Then it's a, it is sort of a dancing game. Then if they want to get interviewed, you know, we're able to prep for every step of the interview process because we know these companies well. Mm-hmm. We have well-established relationships. So we know what to expect in the interview, who you're meeting with. Mm-hmm. And our candidates definitely feel prepared walking into the interview. What advice would you offer to someone who is currently looking for their next gig? The most important thing is to network. So talk to headhunters like myself. It's only going to provide you more information. Mm-hmm. You know, it's only going to show you more opportunities out there. You know, when I was looking for a new job, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do at the time, but I wanted to network and talk to individuals that were working in a field that I might consider. And so I think networking is very important. I'm going to play devil's advocate. Networking, networking, networking. <laughs> a lot of us get tired there of the word networking. networking. What is a concrete aspect of that word that you can suggest? Well, I think that maybe before you start to network, you really do some self-evaluation of the type of role you want to do. And that goes back to what skill set do you want to use? And then you look into roles that might contain that skill set. And then you can determine what jobs are out there that have that skill set. And you talk to professionals out there that might be doing a job you can see yourself doing. That's when networking comes in handy. I don't think you should be talking to every accountant out there, but if there's an accountant at an industry that really intrigues you or a company that really interests you, that's when it's helpful to network, to talk to someone that might be doing something that you want to do. Fair enough. I want to end in the show by asking a few questions that will sum up our conversation. And this is for people who are thinking maybe they want to go into what you're doing. Maybe they want to be a headhunter. Number one, do you like what you're doing? I love what I'm doing. Number two, what kind of people would you recommend for this job? I think people that are, you know, soft skill driven. At the end of the day, I'm trying to kind of sell a service that I can offer to people. It's a free service, but I need people to want to work with me. So I think it's important to have strong communication skills and wanting to use those skills. Mm -hmm. I think it's important for someone to be open to commission. You know, my role (laughs) is unpredictable. I don't know exactly what money I'll get. I don't know exactly what candidates I'm going to get. Mm -hmm. what jobs are going to come in. Some people might see the unpredictability as a con. I personally, I like the unpredictability. It keeps things interesting for me. So I think of that as a pro. You need to be comfortable working with people. Oh, very comfortable working with people. Yes. So if people drive you nuts, not the role for you. Don't become a headhunter. Don't become a headhunter if you do not like working with people. You will not be successful. Fair enough. And the third question, how can being a headhunter help advance somebody on their own career? So, you know, I think I'm still learning the answer to that question. Okay. Luckily for me, it's been a positive transition for me. I'm Mm -hmm. not sure where the future takes me, but I do know this. I'm building a lot of relationships. I'm meeting a lot of new people. Mm -hmm. And it's for long term. I'm hoping to make long term relationships. And what I do know is that if I do struggle to realize what I want to do in the future or if I lose my job, Mm -hmm. I do think I've met enough people in this role that someone's going to give me a chance somewhere. 
and that's why I don't worry. Are you currently taking clients? I am always taking clients and candidates. So if you out there who are listening are opportunistic, like Jeremy said, you're looking for your next gig or you want to know what's out there, how can these people reach you, Jeremy? I would say the best way to reach me would be to look on LinkedIn okay, and type in Jeremy Friedman and they will find me. Jeremy Friedman, comma, CPA. In Chicago. In Chicago. Jeremy, I hope this helps you. Thanks so much for coming on Out of Bandwidth. Yeah, thank you. It's been great to be here, Jay. That's it for today's show. Be sure to catch us next time on Out of Bandwidth for more stories about people launching their careers. If there's an industry you'd like us to cover, message me on LinkedIn or email me at host at jalexandermedia.com, spelled J-A-Y. Our theme song is by Argo Fox, and our ad music is by 444 On The Floor. Be sure to subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, this is Jay Alexander saying, thank you for listening. We'll catch you at the client site. This has been a Jay Alexander Media Production.